0: Hi there, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast. I am Vlad, and my guest today is a developer who works on a specific wallet, but also is very much interested in the security of all wallets, and that's why he created a website that's called WalletScrutiny.com. And his name is Leo Vondersleb. and you can also find him on Twitter and follow him. And it's very interesting that he's so much concerned about the security of different types of wallet. And if you go on his website, you're going to find about 70 wallets that you can find in the Android App Store. I think it's called Google Play. And there's lots of data that is being analyzed under a methodology. And it's really helpful because you know what kind of wallet you're dealing with. When you download something. So, everyone listening to this and using a mobile wallet should check out his website to see if your choice was right. So, hi, Leo. Hi, Vlad. Thanks for having me. It's really good to talk to you about this because security has been a recurring theme during the podcast. And it's good to have somebody who is so committed to revealing what kind of wallets are good and what kind of wallets work and also classifying wallets according to their verifiability you have on your website verifiable when tested wallets you have non verifiable ones closed source ones and custodial ones i think these are the main categories
1: right so um there are more categories so in those four categories there is uh 80 wallets no, it's, uh uh, close to 80 now and there's other categories which are not a wallet um, work in progress when I just discovered them and didn't classify them yet there is some that are out of business by now one has 100,000 had 100,000 users and just doesn't work anymore and there's ones that are just too tiny if they have only 10 users then I don't spend time analyzing them and there's a few that are Not featuring Bitcoin, so if somebody shoots me a link, well, well, why is my wallet not in this website? And I add the wallet, and uh, it might end up in the not a wallet category. And uh, but I just don't want to deal with people asking for their wallet um, uh, again and again because they are shilling their uh, altcoin or something. Yeah. So um, that's uh, that's the categories but i guess uh the interesting part is what what do those categories mean so if you don't mind i would uh explain a bit what verifiability means because uh it's quite important to me that these are not really hard recommendations to trust one wallet and not trust another wallet because uh, verifiable does not mean verified And I try to make that clear in the summary uh, at the bottom of my website. Um, So when you go to walletscrutiny.com and scroll down all the way, then you see a, a table with the count of verifiable open source, closed source, and custodial wallets. But there's also a column for verified wallets. And by verified, I would mean that some. Body Neutral actually reviewed the source code of a verifiable wallet. And uh, this is something that happens occasionally, but with the next release of the wallet, this review would be completely obsolete. So I consider none of the wallets currently verified, and that's something I try to get to with the project. But verifiability is a very important stepping stone that unfortunately almost none of the wallets provides. And by verifiability, I mean that the source code that you find on GitHub is actually something related to, or it is actually the basis of the app you find in Google play. So, to, verif- to verify a wallet, you first have to verify that the source code that you're reviewing has something to do with the binary that you can download from, from Google Play. And to do that, you cannot uncompile the uh, binary. You have to reproduce the compilation. So you take the source code, you hit compile, and you look what you get. And for verifiability, this process should work on Different computers. So if I do that and my colleague somewhere else does the same thing on his computer, he should get the exact same binary. And that's what I mean with verifiability. So the open source wallets are not verifiable, or most of the open source wallets, they just don't provide sufficient information so that hitting compile on my computer would get me to the same results as they got when they compiled it for the google play store and
0: that might be because they are malicious or that might let's be because unpack a bit of what you said because there's a lot of information and some rookies from the bitcoin space will not understand what you have explained so basically when you download the application from the app store you are trusting the provider that the software is good and in the case of open source software you also want to go on github or whatever public repository they have and download the data from there and compile it yourself and check to see if it's the same one as the one that you find on the app Store is this correct
1: um well if you if you are a rookie you want that somebody else does that so um, I don't think that some app that has 10 million users will have 10 million crypto Programming experts that are able to review hundreds of thousands of lines of code. Um, In fact, this is this is not even possible uh, for anybody. There is no person in the world that can review and say with certainty that a wallet is secure. It's just too too much information to process, and uh, there's too many levels. But um, I want to enable everybody to rely on the analysis that some expert did on some aspect of the wallet to be relevant to the binary he can download from the Google Play Store. And if you compile right, it yourself, so, the version on Google Play is not really important.
0: Right. So I did not imply that every user should do this verification because it's difficult. And at the same time, you can not get it wrong. So there is some degree of trust that you must have in experts who verify the software for you. But at the same time, I was trying to describe the process that you're doing and also imply that basically the kind of security that you're verifying is the one against the developer to make sure that through their builds, they are not able to steal the bitcoins from your wallet. So that should be one of the main criteria, which... Users should take into consideration because when you download a wallet, you want it to be honest and you want it to work for you, not for the developer. And you want to be the custodian of your own coins. Exactly. So uh, wallet scrutiny
1: just makes sure that the provider is transparent. It does not make sure if uh, because you can hide wallet stealing features in plain sight. So as I said, if the wallet has 100,000 lines of code, then there might still be something that leaks your private keys. And uh, it's just not getting reviewed enough so that people would figure that out. But if, if the provider has to do that in plain sight, then it makes it much harder for him to be malicious.
0: Right. So let's take a look at some of the names that you have here. I see that the wallets that you recommend as being verifiable are Mycelium. And there might be some sort of conflict of interest here because you're also a developer for Mycelium. And I'll let you talk about it. And also the other one is Schildbach Bitcoin wallet. Green Bitcoin, Green Address, or Blockstream Green. As the latest version is called. This one is developed by Blockstream. Also, AirGap Vault and ABC, AB Core. And ABCore is the full node wallet that's developed by Lawrence Nahum, who is also the lead developer of Blockstream Green. So basically, these two wallets, two out of five are made by the same person in collaboration with others, obviously. And you have Mycelium and Shieldbach and air gap vault
1: which is surprising
0: because i can think of lots of other wallets on the mobile phone that are so much more popular and you list them as not being verifiable being closed source or being custodial
1: right so so if you look um at the list then the list is sorted by the number of downloads each of those wallets had uh, or what Google Play is reporting as the download count. So if we just look at the top ones in each category that is not verifiable, then there is the biggest open source one has 5 million downloads. That's the blockchain wallet. And with the open source wallets, I create a ticket in their GitHub, or which I find to be their GitHub. It's, I mean, I'm not even 100% sure in the case of blockchain because they did not reply in four months. I try to reach them on Twitter. I tweeted them like uh, three times now. I uh, try to contact them on GitHub, and I don't get any reply. So they obviously don't want to be open about their code. So I'm tempted to not consider it open source if I am not given the tools to compile it. So how much is it worth to have some code on GitHub if it doesn't compile into the wallet they uh, pretend to be on the Google Play Store and open source. Then uh, in the custodial wallet, uh, no, in the no source um, category, a popular one, and many people think it is open source, is Coinomi Wallet. But Coinomi Wallet had some big issues with the uh, backup 12 words leaking to servers online And after that disaster, and uh, I don't know how much it had to do with that disaster, they decided to make it closed source. They have a million downloads. The next one is quite ironic. It's also a million downloads like Konami. It's called Trust Crypto Wallet. And uh, yeah, you have to trust them because they are not open source. They cannot be verified. So I don't know if that's a hint for things to come. But anyway, then in the custodial category of of course there is coinbase which is dominating the wallet space with 10 million downloads and yeah if you have your money there then it might be a political decision to not give it to you because some laws changed and you have now to you now have to prove your whatever tax history of the last 10 years to get your bitcoins back those are not wallets in my book. So, so, if you don't have the key, then uh, for me that is a um, Bitcoin bank or something, which d- definitely has its reason for existence too. But um, I wouldn't consider it a wallet. Yeah, that's uh, that's just the main ones. Um,
0: and right. Yes, you- so we we should unpack a bit here, and then we move on to other ideas. So Coinomi is very popular, but it got hacked a few months ago, and they were using some sort of predictive input that was provided by Google. It was a third-party service that they integrated in their wallet when typing in your seed phrase. And due to that service, the information that was being typed in by users got leaked somewhere else on some other server, and the hackers just took these words and tried them and they sweeped, they stole all the funds they could find on the wallets. And this was a disaster. And you just told me that in the aftermath of this event, they closed sourced the wallet. Is that correct? Um, it, They went closed
1: sourced uh, after that, but it, I'm not sure if... They, I think they claim that, um, there were too many copycats of their wallet so that scammers tried to use their good brand. And uh, so to prevent others from using their wallet code to pretend to be them, they closed source the, uh, the wallet. But, um, yes, uh, the uh, decision also took place after this uh, vulnerability, I think.
0: Right. So we can see that some of the most popular wallets are also some of the worst. Coinbase obviously is the biggest. Uh, Actually, it should not be obvious, but it is the biggest in spite of the fact that they acquired Neutrino, which is a company that's associated with Hacking Team. And Hacking Team is involved in all sorts of shady operations in which they helped authoritarian regimes extract information about their whistleblowers and liberty fighters and all sorts of citizens who are basically advocating for human rights in countries that don't respect them. And Coinbase just bought that team behind the project and they're using it for blockchain analysis and they want to know to whom you're sending and who the people are. And they're trying to de-anonymize everything that takes place on their exchange. So Coinbase, I think, is one of the worst choices And the only argument that you may have in favor of using Coinbase is that they claim to insure your funds so that if you ever lose your Bitcoins because of them, because they do something stupid, they're going to reimburse you. But they're not, I don't think they're going to give you back Bitcoins if you lose them. They're going to give you back US dollars. And we all know that US dollars are infinitely inflatable and Bitcoins are scarce. So I'm not sure if in the long term, if you're planning to hold for like 10 years, is it going to be a good idea to rely on this idea of being insured? It depends
1: on the entity, I think. So if you are a US business, then Coinbase might be a good choice because uh you you have to be open about all the details of all your transactions anyway and you're using banks otherwise and uh, there you also share all your um, transactions with the bank anyway. So if you use them as a bank and you want it to be insured like a bank then yeah Coinbase is probably a better option than being your own bank because being your own bank also comes with responsibilities. But um, if you don't trust that the government will uh, keep the stance of letting you use your Bitcoin or if you are from some other country where you might get treated even worse than as a U.S. citizen, then uh, it's highly unlikely that Coinbase is your best choice because uh, uh, even if uh, the coins are insured and even if they have a great cold storage strategy, if the uh, climate turns a bit more hostile against Bitcoin, then you might be out of luck to to get your Bitcoins with you when you're sitting, whatever, in Saudi Arabia or some, somewhere outside of the United States.
0: Right. And there are also wallets that have a good reputation on Twitter and people trust them. But it turns out that they're only open source, but not verifiable. So these, I think, are all the Lightning wallets from the one by Lightning Labs and Zap and Phoenix and Breeze and Blue Wallet. I'm not sure if Wallet of Satoshi is in the same category. I don't see it here. But it doesn't matter. Oh, Wallet of Satoshi is actually custodial. Okay. Because, yeah, it makes sense because Blue Wallet can be used to access your full Lightning node. But I think by default it's also custodial. But anyway. I see Samurai Wallet here, and that's a big discussion, right? Because a lot of people seem to trust them, but they turn out to not be verifiable.
1: Yes, they um, they are very. I mean, uh, if you follow them on Twitter, you see that they try to be edgy wherever they can, and uh, they they attack everybody who tries to to ask questions about the features they are providing and uh, brag about how they can. Well, once they bragged about programming circles around me, but in four months they were not able to provide build instructions for a reproducible build of their own product so I kind of wonder if that is because they are hiding something or if they are incompetent. But either way, I would not trust my money uh, in... Uh, in their wallet because uh, now they are trying to get as many people to use their mixers and uh, yes put your money online and (laughs) i don't know if they pull the rack i mean they are private about their own identity so you are putting your hands into the tool of some anonymous person who has no costs to exiting so so if there is an exit scam with Samurai, I wouldn't know who, whom I would uh, take accountable for that. And um, so uh, that's that's the wallet I have the biggest issue with, although it is only uh, 50,000 downloads big compared to the 5 million of blockchain. That's tiny, 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 but uh, blockchain at least has people behind it that will get sued, that will get into big trouble if they do something nefarious.
0: Wait, so blockchain.com and Samurai are actually on the same boat when it comes to verifiability?
1: Um, Exactly. Um, It's just one is the biggest one. The other one is without anybody accountable. And both is a problem. One is a huge honeypot for... For hackers to to try to get at. so so my, maybe some developer works for free because he gets to inject some evil code. Maybe uh, maybe some other insider can can hack something into the code um, uh, under distress. I mean, if the release manager. Uh, so so to explain again a bit uh, what the verifiability means, it doesn't only mean that it's publicly auditable in a sense that uh, that uh, audit protects the users of the binary. It also means that the release manager that might be one out of 10 people in the team um, can be audited by his team. So um, at mycelium where I work, we have five people on the development team. I'm the release manager. If I have a different code on my machine, then what, the other five guys know, then I could release it and nobody would know if it wasn't reproducible. But as it's reproducible, somebody of our team does the compilation again. And if he doesn't get the same result as what I propose as a release candidate, then we cannot release it to the public. But if the uh, open source wallet doesn't do that, if they don't know how to make reproducible builds, then they are also vulnerable to the release manager being under distress so if somebody came to my house and would say hey your daughter is going to die if you don't steal all the funds of all your users yeah i will happily change the code and uh try to get and will try to get it on to google play before seeing my daughter die of course yeah but i also know that my team will stop that release because it is not verified yeah i i know that for those other wallets that are not reproducible some of them will have a big problem in such a a situation of distress and maybe it's not even a situation of distress maybe it's just the release manager's computer that's that was hacked or caught a virus and now some virus is swapping out some lines of code and the release manager with best intentions, creates the release candidate and um, does his tests as he always does and releases it to the public and then all the users lose their money anyway. So verifiability is a really important thing that you cannot just ignore when you have people with money in your wallet there.
0: That's kind of frightening when you think about it. I mean... You get so many arguments in favor of why Samurai is such a great wallet. And it has all of these privacy features and it routes your connection through Tor and stuff like that. And if you use your own dojo, supposedly you're not giving up your XPUB to the Samurai servers. But, you know, to find out that it's not even verifiable and it's held to these standards that are equivalent with BRD and blockchain and BitPay, and Edge, as I can see here. That kind of sucks. I mean, I I wouldn't touch it. No, me neither. Certainly not. I mean, I will probably get trolled by the four accounts that keep on defending Samurai on Twitter. But, you know, they should make their software verifiable.
1: Yeah, that's what they always do. So whenever you say something about them they will dig something out about your history. And uh, they didn't find anything on me personally. So they attacked the company that I work for. So two years ago, my um, mycelium did something which they didn't like. So they attack me for still working for mycelium and uh, make me responsible for what my employer did. And, uh, I never commented on on that topic, and don't intend to so uh, he he just tries to distract and he just tries to find whatever, but he will not discuss the actual issues, and he will also claim that, oh yeah, yeah, we are still alpha, so so the verifiability will come when we are not alpha anymore but he still makes advertisement on, on Twitter. Yesterday, he was inviting people, hey, let's get 5,000 Bitcoins into the mixers uh, uh, because we are not charging too much of a fee this weekend or whatever it was. So now they are trying to get as many coins into that wallet at the same time, which would be a good point to exit scam. I don't know. I wouldn't try to to put as much money into that wallet at the same time.
0: I mean, I'm not sure if they're interested in exit scamming, but they definitely might work with Chainalysis and their users. I don't think many of them run their own full node to be able to run their own mixes. So they have a lot of data and they have been exposed to also use blockchain.info in the past. So they revealed a lot of transactions to that service. Yeah, yeah, but they were
1: only alpha or only (laughs) betas. Who cares? Privacy-focused
0: wallet. Um, To be honest, It has some privacy, to their credit. To their credit, it does have some privacy, but it's what what not they claim that it is.
1: Um, To be completely honest, I don't think that they are scamming. I don't think they are evil. I think they are... Just a bit inept in communicating things, and so so and they just didn't have the verifiability as they, their top priority. Um, they defended it with whatever personal attacks they uh, came up with, and uh, now they don't want to roll back, so they will keep uh, slinging mud as as long as they uh, can. And and once they lose users, they might come around and and make make their wallet verifiable, but. Um, for me, there is... I mean, how how do I know? I can only know if I can verify. Don't trust verify. That's something they shared themselves, but they are not verifiable. So, come on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's scary. I Once again, I'm repeating myself, but I would not touch that. I, I think, for example, Wasabi is much more honest. And it has some of the same features it's on desktop it's not on mobile so i suppose from this point of view the services are not really competing um i think
1: you should not necessarily Mm. mix your coins um i mean if if you do the mixing right then you shouldn't do it like okay i'll do a mixing session and you do a mixing session for 10 minutes and and then you stop the mixing should be something that's ongoing because uh else you get some time correlation between your transactions and that's revealing too so so you want to get one transaction in every i don't know random amount of blocks and for that the desktop wallet is certainly better on the other hand um the androids have interesting security properties. So so the Android phone was designed from the start as something that will run many apps that might do evil things. So the sandboxing of those apps was a big concern. And uh, desktop systems like, uh, like Windows or something are not primarily concerned about isolating the apps from each other. So if you run your desktop app, then then the database that app is using might be open to all the other apps that are installed on your system. And in Android, that's usually not the case. So there's arguments to be made. But um, of course, you have to trust Google because uh, 99.9% of all, I mean, there's not only Google that has its um, hands on your device, there is also Samsung or whatever company you use and maybe some state agencies that uh that forces their security features into the phone so so it's 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 evil whatever you take so um yeah uh it's important to have mixing maybe with, back with a hardware wallet so you at least don't lose your private keys when mixing i think there's some project that uh makes it possible so you can mix with a hardware wallet uh so the private keys never get shared with uh or cannot get shared with anything online there's many many aspects so yeah but um vasabi as you said is verifiable so it's uh uh my project wallet scrutiny so far does not look into anything but android but for for this case i looked into what Wasabi is doing and they have verifiable builds as most um desktop uh, most desktop wallets do and um yeah um, i will hopefully soon expand to that space too
0: yeah you have mentioned that you must trust google when you're running android on your phone but what about fdroid and which of these wallets can be installed on fdroid which in case you're not aware and you're listening to this is like an android client that takes away all the google features but is also compatible with the applications but you must install them by connecting your phone to the computer
1: Wait, um, Aftroid also provides an Android app, which is just an alternative Play Store. So instead of clicking Google Play on your phone, you click Aftroid, and then you can uh, search for Bitcoin Vault and then you get all the Bitcoin Vaults on your phone, and you can click install just like the Play Store. So Aftroid is a, an app repository which is only for free and open source wallets and in my project i only care if the code is auditable so the open source aspect i call open source is not sufficient for being on fdroid so for example mycelium is auditable so all the source code is public but the uh but the license doesn't allow you to create the wallet. Uh, the library for Bitcoin that we created is uh, free and open source, but the app itself is only open source uh, under a look, don't touch license. So.
0: Oh, thank you very much for getting it right because I thought FDroid was something else. I, I'm an iOS guy, okay? So okay. I yeah, never tried to use download. it, but I did see. That you can go know.
1: to you can go to the website fdroid uh what's it fdroid.org or something and you can download the APKs there and then you install it on your phone and but usually you just download one of the APKs there and that's the Fdroid Play Store uh or the Fdroid uh, store and from there you get all the other apps and also the updates from the Fdroid app
0: So what about the iOS wallets? Is there any way to do the same kind of verification to them? Um, That's
1: something I have to look into soon. I'm an Android developer myself, so I know how to handle APK files. I have no idea how an iPhone app looks like, if that's something uh, comparable to an APK file, I assume it is, and... uh, And if I can get my hands on those, uh, I I assume it's possible somehow. But for Google, I also rely on my Android phone to download the APKs currently. And I'm developing an app to collect the apps uh, from wherever they might appear. And I think something similar on iPhone might be uh, tricky, if not impossible. So uh, I guess I need some help from some iPhone developers that have more insight into that. So, yep, it's uh, it's um, it's on my to-do list and I'm much more interested in uh, looking into iPhone than into desktop because I expect the iPhone wallets to be not verifiable and I expect uh, desktop wallets to mostly be verifiable, but still didn't do much
0: research there. I think the best wallet that you can get on iOS is Blockstream Green, which is essentially the same version as the one on Android, except that it lacks certain features. Like, for example, on Android, you can connect a hardware wallet with a cable because the port in your Android device is USB, micro or USB-C. But in the case of an iPhone, you cannot do that because you have the lightning port and there is no adapter from lightning to the micro USB in your hardware wallet to do it. But at the same time, the version of Blockstream Green on iOS also has Tor and also has that nice multi-sig function that helps you better secure your funds. It's a two of, a two, of two multi-sig that you can run. And it's possibly the nicest wallet that you can find on the platform. You can also get BRD and blockchain and I think Edge. There's no Samurai. And you get some Lightning wallets. But I suppose that these are non-verifiable and closed source. But in the case of something like Blockstream Green, I'm just assuming that possibly they are the same as their Android counterparts.
1: It, uh, I'm looking at their repository, so there is a green iOS um, repository. So it's not the same repository as the uh, Android version. And many wallets have uh, they use some cross-platform compilation tools like PhoneGap or something, where you, where they develop it in one place and only make minor adjustments for the different platforms but uh in the case of the green wallet i think it is uh in two different repositories as one is green android and there is another that's green ios and uh it is probably using completely different stack of libraries because on android they're using a java uh, library the bitcoin j and that's uh that wouldn't work on ios but yeah haven't looked into it as i said
0: okay so let me get to more direct questions if you had to choose between let's say having coinbase as a wallet on your phone and having edge or samurai which one would you say that is the better choice for the average user none of them is verifiable (laughs) Uh, i I, I would certainly
1: not use coinbase and uh... Yeah, I guess I would compile samurai, and uh, if I would have to trust them, I, I wouldn't use any of those. Uh, I, I would probably not have Bitcoin on. I mean, for small amounts, I would look which one is um, better, better has, has better usability, and would use that one for for some pocket small change for the go, but uh, else I wouldn't trust them.
0: Right. I've spoken to Paul Pewey from Edge Wallet. I think I've interviewed him a couple of times. And he seemed quite knowledgeable and integrated lots of features and was also very much interested in adding privacy to the wallet. So I think I would rather choose Edge than Samurai.
1: Um, I would have to look into what they uh, did. Um, so I contacted them in four months. They didn't reply to to my inquiry. Why is it not verifiable? So um, um, I don't know. If compiling it myself is an option, then I would probably compile this one myself and, uh, uh, but I can have a look if compilation worked, the analysis. Oh, I failed to compile it. Edge is known. Okay. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't trust their build instruction because they were not uh, precise about the versions being used. So so things like Android Studio 3.1.3. No, Edge, Edge is known to... Build with the exact toolset, updated versions of these tool sets may break the build or app. That is so wishy-washy that there is no uh, deterministic build to be expected. So so if the provider doesn't tell you the exact toolset to compile it, because not getting any result at all is not my concern. I need to get the exact result that is on Google Play. For the verifiability, so um, if the provider gives me an option, yeah, use version three or version four of the compiler, then I know it's not verifiable, but because a verifiable wallet, if I compile it with the wrong compiler, will probably get me a wrong wrong result.
0: yeah, also, I think we should discuss this aspect about wallet updates, because in the case of Spotify, for example, as an application. You don't have to worry that when you get an update, you're going to lose any information or it's going to damage your savings. Or I don't know, in the case of an update from your bank, if you're using the application on the mobile, then you don't have to worry too much. But in the case of mobile wallets for Bitcoin, I think it's better to wait and see what the release has brought to the table and if it's really critical and be as conservative as you possibly can because an update that's malevolently released can actually steal your coins right
1: exactly so so you can have some uh, additional lines of defense so the green wallet for example allows you to have your coins in a multi-sig setup where the um, green where the provider will Blockstream. Provides the necessary signature only if you do a second factor authentication for that, or uh, if it's beyond a certain. I think it's if you send small amounts with daily limit or with per transaction limit, then it just signs it off. And if it's, uh, or you can maybe configure it, but um, if the wallet has some feature like that, then a thief can not just get away with tons of money because if they notice that all of a sudden thousands of users at the same time want to empty their wallets then having this configured to a rather high amount or not would probably cause them to have some security measures to shut off the uh, transaction signing Uh, equally if you have your uh, if you use mycelium because you use it to connect your hardware wallet and you have your money in the hardware wallet then yes the evil update would not be able to steal your funds neither but of course if you but of course all the wall, all the money that you have protected only by the key material that the software wallet knows um is at risk with every update and so the wallet scrutiny um verifiability uh, verdict is re-evaluated with every release of those wallets so if you look into the Schildbach wallet then you can see they had uh, one two three four five six seven eight nine with the current one ten releases that um, that I all uh, tried to reproduce and they were all reproducible so it's an ongoing effort and um I try to automate as much of this as possible. So, um, in the near future, you will also be able to download an app from Wallet Scrutiny that allows you to monitor each update. And if your update is something that Wallet Scrutiny doesn't know yet, then you get the offer to upload it. And then the server of Wallet Scrutiny would be able to analyze the APK, and if it would able would be able to automatically reproduce it then it would automatically green light this version for everybody and if it would not be able to reproduce it it would probably trigger an alert to all the users of the app so um, i haven't yet figured out how to exactly do it because um, um, the uh, reproducibility is still something um, uh, there is not much routine i mean Andreas Schildbach is very solid in what he does. So uh, my script usually verifies and or reproduces the builds automatically. But other wallets, they um, forget to tag the version or use a diff- different semantic in tagging the new version so the script gets um, thrown off track um, because the build instructions change with uh, every release. So uh, there is still some manual work to be done. But um, in general, um, um, those five that are uh, reproducible are doing some effort in uh, stabilizing the build instructions and uh, um, helping to keep the verifiability active.
0: Okay, so... As it becomes obvious during this conversation that we're having, you cannot really follow the don't trust verify ethos. That's pretty much the whole point of Bitcoin. Unless you're very competent and technical and have a lot of time to check every line of code, you'll have to trust somebody to verify everything for you. So my question for you is, what can the average user who is not technical verify? Um,
1: the non-technical user cannot verify anything He, uh, the idea is that you use a wallet to verify that you actually got the bitcoins but he would have to do some investigation if the wallet is actually giving him exclusive control over his bitcoins and uh, so he cannot be completely ignorant to the topic of security to um, to be his own bank so um so but other than that if uh, i mean trust is not a bad thing uh, trust um makes systems scalable so if i if everybody has to compile everything himself then we lose billions of hours uh, per week probably building all the tools that we use every day so the reproducibility of builds makes it Possible to delegate that verification and uh, that at least the build process, and um, makes it possible so that you can, with minimal verification, trust. And so the tool that I want to provide makes it possible to verify the build that you get by verifying it's a verified build. So so the build verification happens because somebody else does it, and you only verify that you have the same build on your machine and to do that use a tool and of course the tool that does that also needs to be verified so so there there is some um um it's open source so hopefully somebody does this verification it's there is many obstacles in the way for a hacker and uh i hope we can make enough obstacles for those hackers so they don't get around those obstacles too often. But um, yes, the idea is to make the whole ecosystem so hostile to the hackers that they don't try to get to the low-hanging fruits all the time. So there should not be too many low-hanging fruits.
0: Right. But it's kind of obvious right now that I'm speaking with a developer and not with a marketer. Because if you're a marketer, you would have said, oh, yes, the users cannot verify the binaries themselves, but they can go on wallet scrutiny, and that's the only kind of verification they can do. But you have basically failed at promoting your own product and only kept this discussion at the most technical level, which I think I very much appreciate about you, Leo.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm a technician. I'm not a marketing guy. And I hope that the honesty and the transparency that wall scrutiny provides. It's all the tools that I use; uh, they are all um, uh, public. Um, I only retain some copyright on the actual reviews I write. So, if somebody would want to clone the project, uh, the tools would be all there. So, it's um, I don't try to capture this this market of verifying applications i try to raise awareness and uh, as long as i'm fighting this uphill battle i think transparency is the most important because if the technicians say they don't trust me then i have no chance of convincing the users to care about what wallet scrutiny is saying so please get get this to the technicians let them raise their concerns and uh, If they don't have any, then then we can talk about how we can improve the marketing, I guess.
0: I like that. You know, if you listen to, I don't know, Pompliano's podcast, you're going to hear a lot of people who just brag about their project and say they're making the world a better place and say, you know, use my product because it's the best on the market and blah, blah, blah. But I'm so happy that I get to talk to the people who actually build stuff. and. People who actually build stuff are the most honest. And in the previous season, I've had I've had Slush who invented the Trezor. And I've had BTC Chip, whose real name is Nicholas Baca, who built the ledger. And they were so open about everything. And they explained the, the design and the mentality that they have. And they were very nice in regards to everybody else on the market when they described them. But if you go on Twitter and you check to see what their marketing departments are doing, it's like they're waging work. But in reality, the people developing are very much open and analytical and self-critical. And those are qualities that I'd rather have in this podcast.
1: You mentioned two of the old guard guys. They are around since forever. And uh, I... I think um, back then, the whole Bitcoin ecosystem was much more technical, so uh, bullshit wouldn't have worked uh, five years ago.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. I tend to have an issue with people who are dishonest about what their products actually do and target this audience of newbies who have no idea. And if you... If you're a newbie and sometimes you have people who speak to you very nicely and they promote the product and they even give you a free something to try out their wallet or something, and you're not going to know the difference between an open source one and a custodial one, you will possibly not care because you come from a background where you just had to use the application of your bank and it just worked you didn't have to think too much about it. And possibly that's why Coinbase is still so successful in spite of all the bad news about how it works and all the bad cases that it had and all the shady practices and whatever Brian Armstrong is up to because he seems to kind of hate Bitcoin. (laughs) He did a lot for Bitcoin.
1: I mean, uh, this on-ramp Coinbase certainly um helped to get to scale but um sure today um it's, uh, it's it's very important to avoid coinbase for various reasons unfortunately
0: oh yeah but i i like the old guard actually i'm not part of it but i prefer these people because they're much more honest and just like satoshi if you look at old bitcoin talk posts He was very open about the limitations of Bitcoin. He explained everyone why he puts certain design ideas that can be interpreted as flaws. And one of the most popular ones is the the argument that he had with Dan Larimer in 2010, when he tried to tell Dan Larimer was saying, how can you have a 10 minute validation time when When you go pay with a credit card, you just swipe and it's instant. It just happens there. And the point is that this is a decentralized network, right? So you need to wait for everybody on the network to receive the transaction before a new block gets released. So it doesn't matter if you're in New York City and you have a metropolitan connection that's faster or you're somewhere in the woods and you're trying to connect to satellite and you can only get maybe a couple of megabytes every 10 minutes, but it's enough to run Bitcoin. That's why it's important to have 10 minutes so that you make, you help the whole network scale globally and extend. Because otherwise if you had, I don't know, I think Ethereum has 15 second blocks, but they're so centralized. I think I read a joke that if Amazon web servers shut down, they would also take down Ethereum with them.
1: Yeah, the ten-minute block time is uh, is for the miner. It's is important for the miners because, um, of course, you can do Bitcoin transactions from Mars somehow. It just takes ages to to get uh, them into the blockchain and to know that they were confirmed. But for Bitcoin mining, every every minute that you are late um, is is just uh, it's just ten percent. Loss because you were working on an outdated um, chain, and um, so as they try to uh, as they talk about profitability in the um, percent range or in the sub one percent range, uh, it's just not okay to to have a delay of uh, five seconds of getting the new block when um, others are already working on the new block. Yeah, but for the For the payments, it's not really that important to have the 10 minute block.
0: Right. And I feel like we have discussed lots of wallet projects, but I did not allow you to explain what kind of work you do on Mycelium. And to be honest, I don't know much about Mycelium. I haven't seen it. Let me check the iOS App Store. I don't think I have seen it. Don't.
1: The iOS version um, is not to be recommended. It's unfortunately very outdated, and it has some scary, although not uh, fatal, bugs. So sometimes you might think you lost your money, but you can recover it. So no, the the iOS version of uh, Mycelium hopefully gets revived in the near future, but currently is not uh, very recommended. I work on the Android version. And the Android version is very much active. And we added Ethereum and we are adding now ERC-20 tokens. And um, it's one of the oldest wallets in the space. So when it started, there was no library for Android. So the developers behind it. It Back then, it was not called Mycelium. It was called Bitcoin Spinner. They developed their own library, uh, which, as I mentioned before, is also an open source and free and open source library. And um, it developed from there ever since. So the first version was a single address wallet where you had heavy address reuse and then... When BIP44 came around and BIP39, then the uh, mnemonic, the 12 seed words, were introduced there, too, and uh, it went, uh, turned multi-account capable, which a competing um, Bitcoin library on Android did not provide. So so there's many wallets that are not multi-account capable. So, yeah, on, on Mycelium, uh, you had from from very early on, many accounts, you could import many um accounts that are not related to the master seed. You could uh have fun fancy things like Bit ID, it's called I think, where you could do a login with your Bitcoin keys, which nobody uses today. I think uh it had um Shamir Secret Sharing, which is um, a way of splitting a key into three uh, two of three backup. Uh, it has um, but that was related with a hardware wallet that Mycelium provided, which was the entropy, which um, pr- which was basically a paper wallet generator, and uh, yeah, the, there's a long history to mycelium.
0: It's an old player.: I'm actually surprised that you once again were honest about the iOS version, which I could find in the App Store, but it seems to only have three stars rating. And according to your recommendation, I will not download it, but it's useful to know that it's actually the Android version that's still being updated. So how would you compare Mycelium to Blockstream Green? I never used
1: Block uh, Blockstream Green. Um, I assume that the Blockstream Green... Is uh ha- does not have Ethereum, which I find a plus, uh, b- but they have a uh, bit liquid bitcoins, which I would find uh not necessarily something positive. So, um, in my eyes, uh, well, the wallet I would prefer would not have any altcoins, and uh, the Bitcoin liquid network is also something which I don't find optimal. It, it has some nice properties, but you trust a federation of signers, of block creators. And uh, I don't like that too much. So I would have preferred they integrated Lightning payments before Liquid, but um, they make money with Liquid and they don't make money with Lightning, I suppose. So um, yeah, that's the priorities they had. Um, Yeah, uh, I don't know too much other than
0: that about the green. I think you have stricken a very sensitive chord there with not making money with Lightning because anyone who runs a node, I I mean, I haven't heard anyone who told me that running a Lightning node has brought them revenue by routing transactions. I mean, and by revenue, I mean significant amounts of BTC.
1: Um, It's... But uh, probably something that uh, you can only do if you trick uh, the users into using your route. Like maybe you can ddos the others uh, out of the game, and then uh, charge high fees for for people that are desperate to do to get the transaction through now. But uh, mm-hmm. in an equilibrium of fair players, I think uh, the Lightning Network will not make anybody rich by routing. Oh with one exception. So the lightning network might be very handy to swap coins. So if you r- run a routing node and you charge a negative fee, then you might get a lot of traffic and that negative fee might be op- uh, uh, might be offset by people paying you for swapping coins. So um Maybe that's something that's happening already. Maybe that's happening in the future. I don't know if the Lightning Network allows negative fees, but um, um, if you want to, if you stole some bitcoins and you want to swap them for other coins, then um, maybe that would be something interesting. But um, if you don't have some, and of course there's those chain uh, chain analysis companies that uh, that. Also have to be on Lightning, so they probably have a non-monetary incentive to provide many nodes. So they so they know what's going on, and um, so you compete with people that have maybe money to launder, maybe get their money from selling information, and if you compete with them, then um, counting only the fees that you get as Micro Satoshi, uh, Milli Satoshi's per transaction um, will not make you rich. There's others that make more money on that
0: uh, scheme. That's actually a good discussion to have, because as far as I know, Lightning routing is still a big debate, and it's not settled in terms of how they're going to do it and how they're going to make it more efficient and at the same time fairer. Right now, I think, I'm not very sure how it works, but I think you get routed by the fastest or closest nodes that accept your fee threshold. If you're willing to pay a small fee, you're going to be directed to the nodes that get pinged the fastest? I don't know. Um, I think that
1: the fee currently is also some percentage of the transaction, and it's... um. Uh, or with a minimum fee and uh, that's also problematic i think the fees should be or might end up being more related to how much credit you give to the other side of the channel so if i have a channel that is unbalanced in one direction then i have an uh, interest to getting it balanced in the other direction and uh, might charge a higher fee in one direction than the other and uh also if um i have leaf nodes on my node so so um if some user is connected like let's say i have my phone and it's using the my mycelium uh lightning node and so uh from the perspective of mycelium the mycelium wallet might not make connections to any other nodes and it certainly will not route through the phone to other nodes because it will usually not respond quickly uh, to such requests. So um, Mycelium would have a certain amount of money in the channel with me. So this is kind of a credit to me. And so I think we will see that the uh, nodes will charge a um, an interest on the money in those channels. So currently, I think in Electrum, you can pay Electrum to open a channel in your direction so you can also receive lightning payments and uh it's kind of an arbitrary fee which they say okay they will keep the channel open probably a certain amount of time maybe more and and there is no further interaction on that so i open the channel and uh, i hope that when whenever i uh, say hey lightning is cool uh, i'll show you um it will work to actually receive funds and uh I think we will see that um, those companies will charge a monthly fee that is proportional to the uh, to not the capacity, total capacity of the channel, but to the inbound capacity that the user uh, requires and uh, has left. So if I start with $100, I receive $90, then there's only $10 left in, capaci- in capacity in my direction. So the fee that I... Uh, would require to keep that channel open with the $10 uh, capacity should be lower than if I wouldn't have used it uh, for the first
0: $90. Right, so let's get back to the discussion of wallets. And I'm going to ask you, let's say that somebody just discovered Bitcoin yesterday and wants to install a wallet under Android mobile phone. Which one do you think has the best you know mixture between ease of use convenience and open sourceness um the open sourceness
1: uh <laughs> my project is all about being verifiable, so uh, it's hard for me to recommend something that is not verifiable but because they show some open source and might use another source uh for what they provide to the play store but um um, I use the Eclair wallet for lightning because I think none of the verifiable wallets has lightning so far, and uh I compile the mycelium wallet myself and I share it with a million users but uh yeah uh it's um. It's it's hard because there's still no verification happening. So I think we should uh, touch on this because currently um, the verifiability doesn't mean anybody looks at the code. And for that to happen, I think we will need wallets to come up with, uh, with bu- bug bounties. So if the Schildbach wallet would get uh, forked in, and some company would... Um, take uh, uh, or create a fork of the Schildbach wallet, for example, and, and they would offer a million-dollar bug bounty if you find anything serious. And Schildbach, who who doesn't have it as a company and uh, I think he's not making money with that wallet, he cannot come up with a bug bounty for that. Then I would probably um, opt for the one that has the bug bounty and not for the one that is uh completely non uh not a company product and uh just an open source wallet and uh and maybe more in the spirit of uh of being against the system yeah because the bug bounty actually gets the eyeballs of the security researchers to look into in, into the product and um and if it's verifiable and if it commits to not releasing 20,000 lines of code in an afternoon so that no uh, security researcher can find the wallet-stealing line of code uh, before 50% of the users update it to that version, uh, yeah, I guess I would opt for that version. Uh, I would opt for that wallet.
0: Okay. I mean, that was quite complex, but I suppose it's a good explanation. So if you're listening to this and you're not sure which mobile wallet you should use, then you should definitely check WalletScrutiny.com as it's a useful resource. And it has a methodology that you can find and you can read. So there is a specific series of criteria according to which this classification has been made. But most importantly, the criterion. I mean, the main criterion is Does the developer provide the same software in the App Store as in the repositories? And can you compile the software yourself and get the same result as if you download the app from the App Store, from Google Play? And I think that's an overlooked question. Because usually people look at nice features and they say, oh, this is great for privacy. And oh, this has a multi-sig. And oh, this, I don't know, has multi-coin or lightning and liquid and stuff like that. But if you only care about security, you should definitely consider this situation where you are 100% sovereign and there is nothing that the wallet developer or there is the least amount of stuff that the wallet developer can do to steal the coins from your wallet. Yeah, exactly. And my final question for you is, how much does reputation matter in this space? And to which extent do you think that reputation can be repaired once you damage it and you have done something stupid which caused thousands of people to lose their coins? Is there a comeback after that one or is it better to just launch another service? (laughs) <laughs> um I wouldn't
1: try to revive Mount Gox but I think that uh, Mark Capellus um certainly had for example some sort of comeback after losing many many millions of dollars uh of his users uh so um reputation is important, I think. If a company has a good track record of doing the right thing, then it builds a certain reputation. And there is also, for example, blockchain.info um, had some uh, security issues where they lost users' funds. But as far as I know, they uh, made those users whole. They only lost some, I don't know, $3,000 or, or maybe it was 10000 But so they they stood up to that responsibility and uh, with uh, things like that, they can certainly repair the reputation of uh, not being strong on the crypto side. And certainly any long time player is learning along the way. So they certainly have better crypto uh, competence on board now than they had when those things happened. But on the other hand, reputation is not everything. So if a company or if a wallet has a reputation of not screwing up yet and uh, and doing great things for a long time, but they are anonymous, then there is no cost to disappearing uh, at any point. So so they might um might sell the sell the product to or sell the log in for Google Play to some other guy for a nice uh, compensation and um, how um, and and then the other guy might scam the users or they might scam the users themselves and uh, what's the cost to them then. So reputation I think is only really a good argument for good behavior uh, for future good behavior uh, if you know the person and if you if you can grab the, uh, the person if the um, good reputation gets abused.
0: I think that's fair. And I'm happy that we got to talk about this because, as I said, it's an issue that's oftentimes overlooked. And people don't really think in terms of how verifiable is this sometimes they just fall for the open source argument and they think that somebody has verified it and anyone can do it to compile the code. But that's why walletscrutiny.com exists and I advise anyone to take a look at it. It should not be your own source of information. So if you think that it's biased in any way, then you should also look for other security experts who analyze wallets and do your own research to find the best product that fits your needs and expectations. But in the case of Bitcoin, I think that security is the most important feature that you should be considering.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So thank you very much for doing this interview. Leo Vandersleb, you can follow him on Twitter at L E O W A N D E R S L E B. I hope I spell that yeah. right. And yeah, you correctly. should also check out Mycelium on Android if you want to see what kind of work he does. Don't put your Bitcoins on it unless you are convinced that it's the best wallet for you, but you can also review it and see if you like it and if it's the right wallet that fits your needs. Yeah, Vlad,
1: thanks for having me and check out Wallet Scrutiny.
0: Yeah. Follow it should. on Twitter too. Yeah, (laughs) okay. So I'll talk to you later, Leo. Bye.